You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode five. Hey there, welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and I am honored and grateful that you are allowing me to spend a little bit of your day with you. This week's episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, How to Make a Compelling Case for a PMO. You'll learn exactly what to say how to say it, and how to ensure that you leave your business leaders with no choice but to support you wholeheartedly in building a PMO that's going to make an impact in your organization. So if you are new to PMOs and you wanna make the case internally, or you are about to start launching new services and capabilities, and you want to have that critical sponsor and stakeholder engagement and support, this is a must attend masterclass. It's free and you can get to it by going to pmostrategies.com forward slash make the case. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash make the case. You will learn my proven system for helping you tell the story the way it needs to be told to get that critical support for your next set of services and capabilities or to make a case for the PMO in the first place. I even give you my step-by-step business case plan to walk you through each step. So definitely go check it out. It's pmostrategies.com forward slash make the case. Today, we are going to dive deep into the fourth Impact PMO Leader Mindset, Adapt to Thrive. Now, if you have not listened to the first three building blocks of this series, instill focus, measure outcomes, and perform relentlessly, I suggest you hit the pause button and go back and listen to those three episodes. In fact, you might want to take a little time to go back to the PMO Reset because that kind of sets the stage for what we're going to talk about in this mindset series and why the shifts that we need to make are so important. All right. So with that said, I also want to let you know that there is a workbook that goes with this particular episode. You can grab it by going to pmostrategies.com forward slash zero zero five. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash zero zero five. You'll see a short written version of the content here as well as your download workbook to walk you through the steps in adapting to thrive and give you a place to kind of jot down the shifts that you're going to make or the ways that you can adopt the adapt to thrive steps in your organization. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and dig into adapt to thrive. I'd like to start by saying we have got to stop talking about PMO survival skills for PMO leaders. Every once in a while, I come across a new article or webinar or other resource that talks about how to survive as a PMO leader and how to survive within your PMO. And I think we've got to stop it. It's time to shed this belief that the best you can hope for as a PMO leader 
is to simply survive. PMO leaders that are in constant survival mode can't possibly have the mental space or peace of mind or clarity of thought to drive high impact. If you are continually worrying about whether you will personally have a job in the next six months, then how can you possibly perform at your best? I think this survival mindset that is being perpetuated in writings and teaching is setting PMO leaders up for failure right from the start. We need to be looking for techniques that will help us thrive, grow, develop, and mature our PMOs. This means we need to stop getting ourselves into this position in the first place. We've got to stop living from a mindset of scarcity and a mindset of survival. Impact PMO leaders avoid this survival mode altogether by being flexible, adaptive, and providing services and support that are exactly what the business leaders are asking for and need when and how they need it. Okay, so let's dig into the first part of the Adapting to Thrive framework. Step one, adapt your management style. In order to get into this thriving mode, you'll need to be able to adjust your own management style, but not in the typical ways that we all think about. It's not only on the needs of the individual, but also on the significance of the change you're creating. Now, I'm sure you've heard before, you've got to manage everyone differently, and you have to make sure that you are responding to people and their different needs and ways they like to be rewarded and recognized. Absolutely, got all that. And I think it's important that we need to think about how we manage them in times of great change and according to how familiar they are with the changes that we are trying to create and the impact that that change is gonna have on the organization. Okay, for example, if you're building a PMO for the first time in an organization and it's never been done before, then people's understanding of what to expect and how to engage is going to be kind of low. This means that we need to deeply consider the organizational change management components of doing something that's never been done before. Let's say that you're in a situation where you're building a PMO for the first time, and if they've never seen this change before, they have no idea what to expect or how to engage or who does what. In fact, you might find yourself in a situation where people are making up their own assumptions about what the PMO should and should not be doing, and if you are not managing those expectations proactively, you are going to find yourself disappointing people because you're not doing what they think you should be doing. Now inside my Impact Engine PMO training program, I have an entire module dedicated to assessing the organization for impact opportunities and when and how to set the expectations and manage stakeholders and the entire change process right from the beginning, right as you're assessing where the opportunities lie, specifically so that you avoid the scenario of expectations misalignment with what you believe the PMO should do and what your stakeholders believe. And a little hint, you don't necessarily wanna be doing what you believe should be getting done in the first place. So we'll talk a lot more about that in coming episodes. Okay, so think about it. If they don't know what to expect, you need to manage them differently. If your project team members or your PMO team members don't know what to expect, then you're going to have to manage your engagement with all stakeholders, internal and external, 
based on their familiarity with what it is you're trying to do. So you want to think about how you can bring people with you through that change process so that they embrace the change fully and engage in driving toward that impact that we're all trying to create. That's the questions you want to be asking. And in our sixth mindset shift, we'll talk a lot more about organizational change management and the things that you want to do specifically to help bring people through the change process and how you want to handle that awful change resistance. So don't worry, I will touch on it in the sixth mindset and I will have definitely more than one episode talking about all of the ways that you can bring people with you through change because it is so critical and foundational to everything you do as a PMO leader because you are there to affect change through the PMO and the work you're doing as well as everything the PMO stands for. It's helping to transform the organization. It's helping to lead the teams through strategy realization. All of that is about bringing people through change. So we're gonna go wild and crazy and deep on all of it in upcoming episodes. All right, so back to adapting your management style. Now, what about the scenario where the PMO has been tried before, but it's failed? You're going to have a completely different set of challenges adapting your management style and how you're going to have to engage with all of your stakeholders if you start hearing from people, yeah, we've seen this movie before. We know how it ends. We know that this isn't going to work. Yeah, the last person tried that and the other person before that tried that. And we know that a PMO just can't be successful here. I've heard this before. And my team and I were successful. So you've got to understand how you can adapt your management style to deal with those challenges because it still requires a strong focus on bringing people with you through the change process and doing that change with them instead of to them. But you're also going to have to deal with a lot of change resistance and the slow ability to absorb the changes that are being created by your PMO. So the goal is to be flexible and adapt your management style based on your stakeholders and being able to meet them where they are instead of where you want them to be. And that's what helps an impact PMO leader become successful in implementing a PMO in any environment. And trust me, I've seen it all. I've seen environments that were completely excited and engaged with the PMO concept until it came to us actually implementing the changes they asked for. <laughs> I've seen the PMO situation where the PMO leader was on their own and had no support whatsoever. I've seen the situation where they were all gung-ho and totally supportive and started executing flawlessly. I've also seen the environment where the PMO was very resisted and had never been successful before and made it so successful that my team and I were all, I guess, promoted, if you will, up to an enterprise level PMO to aggregate all the PMOs and all the project support across the organization for enterprise-wide initiatives and other strategic opportunities. And it was all because we were able to make real change and help to streamline and optimize and put the right level of structure and governance around a particular department's projects where they were told it would never work. So the goal here is to find where your people are in that change process and then look at how you can bring them with you. Now in an upcoming episode, I'm going to share a story with you about 
my experience adapting my management style in an environment that had all of the odds stacked against it and how going through those different steps in the change process over the different years where we ran this big initiative really enlightened me on how important it was to shift my style based on the familiarity that everyone had with the change we were creating. So look for an episode on adapting your management style in the future episodes. Okay, what's the next thing that we can do as impact PMO leaders and with our PMOs to help adapt to thrive? The next one is called building business knowledge and business acumen. So to drive impact, leaders with an impact mindset learn that the business knowledge is necessary to speak intelligently about the organization they are supporting and know that they need to build that business knowledge with their teams. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the PMO leader and the project managers need to be subject matter experts in the business area they support. Their subject matter expertise is project management. Your subject matter expertise is in building PMOs that drive an impact. However, I do think it is important that you have enough common understanding of the business goals of the organization and what the business is trying to do, what the strategy is of the organization and how the projects are supporting to realize that strategy. That is important because then you can lead the teams through the right conversations around what's in it for the business when you're trying to affect the changes. So from a PMO perspective, you want to make sure you understand the business problems that your stakeholders are trying to solve and the business challenges they face in their organization, not just about the projects, but just what's it like to be in their role. And then from that, you'll learn how you can support them. And I cover this, like I said, deeply inside the Impact Engine PMO training course because it is so important that you build that common language understanding and really seeing from the business leader's perspective how you can support them and solve their business problems. So it's important to understand the business challenges, what the business is trying to do, how their strategy can be affected by the projects you're implementing, et cetera. It's critical that you and your teams can talk about why the changes you're doing are important in terms of business value and have a general sense of the work of the business so that they can see the value of the projects that they're creating or the services that they're providing to that business unit. Think about it. Isn't it so much easier to have a conversation with someone that gets what you're trying to do? So you want to be that person for your business if you want to shift from survival to being able to thrive. Now, the other aspect of this is what I call business acumen. And that ties back to the measure outcomes concept, which is all about getting to that return on investment or what I call the worth it factor for your projects. You need to have enough of an understanding generally of how businesses make decisions on projects and prioritize efforts in the portfolio with that return on investment in mind so that you can speak intelligently and support that process of making educated, informed decisions about the projects and the portfolio and prioritization. So that core piece of business acumen will help you support those kinds of conversations. Okay. Step three is what I call know who's with you. And this one's a little bit of fun. 
A critical component of the impact PMO leader mindset is knowing who's with you in your organization, who you can count on, who you can trust, and where all of your stakeholders land with respect to how much they're supporting you and the PMO. You've got to know how to address all of your different stakeholder groups that you interact with with your PMO and be thoughtful about planning your approach to engagement proactively which is why I have a whole lesson inside that assessment module specifically talking about, okay, now that you've assessed everyone for impact opportunities and you've had all the right conversations, now let's put together a smart stakeholder engagement strategy with all of that assessment input in mind. Over the years, I've kind of developed my own PMO stakeholder definition. And the way I think about stakeholders from the PMO perspective is anyone that can positively or negatively influence the outcome or impact of the work you're trying to do with your PMO or believes that they can or believes that they are impacted by the work you're doing with your PMO. You see, it's not necessarily that they are impacted by, but this gets back to that whole stakeholder engagement and stakeholder expectations management to make sure everyone's clear what your PMO will and will not do, who it serves and who it does not, how it serves and how it does not serve parts of the organization. All of that is so important. So you want to make sure that you're thinking about who can positively or negatively influence the outcome and the impact that the PMO is making believes that they can, so they might not actually have that authority, or believes that they are impacted by. Now, the believes that they can part is really important. Sometimes your noisiest critics are the ones that won't really be affected by the PMO, at least not in this first few rounds of services you're creating, but they believe that they will be or want to influence the direction for their own reasons, for their own agenda. So those stakeholders can sometimes be where you spend a large portion of your time and energy. And so you wanna make sure your stakeholder engagement strategy includes specific and intentional focus on talking to, engaging with, and setting the expectations for those stakeholders. They can influence what people think about your PMO and can completely shift the course and outcome of your PMO if they know the right people and know the right conversations to have. So you've got to watch those people very closely. I like to have a little fun with the whole process of developing a stakeholder engagement strategy. So years ago, I created three groups of stakeholders. I call them the lovers, the haters, and the just don't cares. Now, this isn't in any official book, although the book I'm writing, I might actually include it because to me, as a Myers-Briggs type ISTJ, the J means that I like to organize things. And for me to process information, I have to be able to organize it in a way that makes sense for me. And when I think about stakeholders, I love to use these three categories because it makes it kind of fun and reminds me that we can have a little bit of fun and kind of shift the way people are thinking about our PMO simply by engaging with them differently than we had expected to or the way the typical guidance tells us that we should. Okay, so who are these three categories? The lovers, those are your change champions. They're the ones that are embracing the PMO and all that it stands for. They're the ones you can count on to be early adopters of your new services and to give you feedback and support along the way. 
you want to make sure that you're nurturing and building those relationships and that they have their place on your stakeholder engagement plan. These are your go-to people, your support team for growing your PMO and its capabilities and services, getting guidance and feedback, and trying new things. So definitely nurture those relationships. Now the haters, they are the ones that you know are not really for this PMO thing in the first place. They're against your PMO and all of the change that it's going to create. They're the people that might be affected by what you're doing with the PMO or believe that they are going to be and that it's going to change their world for the worse instead of the better. Most people, especially those that don't like conflict, will avoid this group of stakeholders. As a PMO leader, I found it harder to engage with the haters until I learned a few tricks that I think really transformed how I handled this stakeholder group and turned it into a pretty positive experience. It's a huge and costly mistake to avoid this group because these folks aren't actually your worst problem. And I say that because at least they're talking to you. You know who they are and you know what they don't like because they're telling you. Now this group can negatively affect your PMO brand if you're not careful, so avoiding them is just not an option. You need to get ahead of it with them and figure out how to engage them to your benefit and hopefully to theirs. Now, one way to control that narrative is to bring them into the fold. Look for ways to engage them in the conversation that you wanna have with them and I like to do some very intentional things to engage this group of stakeholders so that they know that we're listening to them, we're paying attention to them, and that their thoughts and ideas are valid. One of the things that is so simple that we often forget is that everyone is a human being and has the right to feel valued and that their thoughts are valid. And Instead of falling into the habit that our gut tells us to do from a safety perspective, which is to avoid them altogether or to attack or fight or, you know, put up barriers, I like to peel back the layers and just look at them as a concerned human being that has something they need to share. They have something they need to get off of their chest and they have something that might actually be incredibly valuable to contribute. So I want to make sure their voice is heard because if their voice is heard, a lot of what they fear can be addressed, what they are concerned about can be talked about, and what risks they're seeing can be addressed upfront before they ever become showstoppers for your PMO. So consider doing things like inviting them to a PMO advisory group. I mean, what would it hurt to have them participating in the same group meeting with the people that are in your lovers category? And that can give them an opportunity to hear another perspective, but they'll only listen if you're listening to their perspective. Try to ask questions and engage with them and hear what they have to say about the PMO and all the things that can go wrong with what you're trying to do. That is where you find the most brilliant insights. And you know what they're doing for you? They're helping you build your risk register. They're giving you all the ways that the PMO could hit resistance, could fail in achieving its goals, where the services won't actually work, 
awesome. You need to know that. So listen, listen intently, write it down, ask questions, and then hand them the whiteboard marker and they'll go up to the whiteboard and say, now, how would you solve this? And get them engaged with you in the solution development process. And by doing so, and then actually listening to and applying some of the suggestions they've had, you make it a solution that you built together to get to a better outcome instead of shutting down and trying to avoid them and then having them continue to run around and talk about all the things wrong with your PMO. Invite them into the conversation and then invite them into your shoes to solve the problem because they've already shown that they want to be heard. So just make sure that you're listening. Now, the final group that can be incredibly dangerous is the just don't cares. They're the ones that will try to wait out the PMO and stay disengaged for as long as you let them. They're the ones that are going to say, yeah, I've seen this before. I know this has happened. It never works. I'm just going to passively resist all of the change they're trying to throw at me and ignore them for as long as possible. And the longer they are allowed to perform in that manner, the more likely it is that your PMO will actually fail. Think about it. If they're allowed to get away with not engaging in the process or skipping the mandated steps or doing things in a completely different way that circumvents your PMO or the process that everyone is supposed to be following, then what's to prevent others from following suit? Other people will see that they're circumventing the process and we'll start to do the same thing. And if you're letting some people do it, then why can't others, etc. So you want to make sure that you don't ignore this most dangerous group and allow them to get into what I call Me Too syndrome, which is some people are avoiding you, therefore others will see that they can start avoiding you and it becomes this vicious cycle. Now, years ago, I was in a role where I was asked to put together an enterprise-wide PMO and provide a standardized set of support services across the different groups. And one of those groups, the leader was creating a duplicate service set inside her own team to basically say, yeah, we've got it. We're not going to follow your process because we have our own PMO set of services that we're going to do in our own part of the organization. Now, of course, there were tons of problems with this is that the reporting wasn't the same. I couldn't aggregate information from all the groups. And this person was very intentional about separating themselves from this enterprise PMO. And that was very costly to my credibility because if she was allowed to get away with not engaging in the PMO, then why couldn't everybody else? So you've got to make sure when you're seeing that kind of thing that you're nipping in the bud. And I'll definitely go deep on this in a future episode because I feel like there are so many layers you need to peel back here to make sure that you are addressing these just don't cares proactively in a meaningful way. And a little hint is that one of the things I did that really helped shift that dialogue in this particular scenario was going back and working harder to assess the organization for impact opportunities and invite stronger conversation with that group and the leadership of that group to say, how can we serve you? What do you need from us? And how can we find a common ground and a common understanding around when and how you will engage the PMO for services versus the things you're doing on your own? It took some good conversation and ultimately we got to a really good place where 
everybody in the organization was leveraging a key set of services so that we could do our job and roll up communications, reporting, manage cross-functional initiatives more effectively. All of that was better because of the work we did to go back and assess, like I'm talking about here. Now, my entire program and everything that I'll teach you through these podcast episodes and my training programs and masterclasses and webinars and all the stuff is based on these experiences. So this was one really important lesson learned that helped me really push hard to develop that whole assessment module that I keep talking about in my Impact Engine PMO training program because I believe it is that important and my own experience in that organization and several others as well as the experiences of my students and clients have really emphasized the importance of engaging your stakeholders early and often and asking those right questions so that you can build the trust, the credibility, and the relationships and properly set expectations so that you don't have any of this just don't cares avoidance affecting the future of your PMO. All right. The next step in this process is ensure that the process meets the business and not the other way around. One of the fatal flaws that I see some PMO leaders make is assuming that everybody should get them as opposed to the other way around. I will hear PMO leaders get really frustrated and say, the business just doesn't get it when it comes to the importance and the value of the PMO. But impact PMO leaders don't waste any time and energy on that making people get it stuff. The effort is futile, first of all, and irrelevant. Instead, the PMO leaders should be looking for ways to meet the business stakeholders where they are, not where we want them to be. If they don't understand all that project management speak and the value of the PMO, that's fine. No problem. They don't have to. The way that you show value and build credibility with the PMO is to get stuff done for people, to solve their business problems. You don't need to talk to them or preach to them or sell the PMO. You need to get it done and build credibility and show them the value. Don't tell them. I will definitely go deep on this again in another future episode because I think it's so important that we are really thoughtful about this show and deliver, don't tell when it comes to the PMO value and services. We don't need the business to understand the project management speak that we're throwing at them. And in fact, we need to stop throwing it at them in the first place. You've got to show them that value by solving their business problems instead of shoving more templates and tools in their face. They don't care about any of that. So stop doing it. So remember, the business does not need to quote unquote, get the PMO. The PMO needs to get the business. So part of that PMO leader mindset is understanding that your main priority is solving business problems, not creating templates, tools, process, methodology, or other project resources. Before putting anything in front of your business stakeholders, look at where they are from a competency perspective and meet them there. Hold their hand through the process and explain things in terms of outcomes of each of the steps in the process that you are putting in front of them, and don't focus on the steps themselves. Okay, now the next step in the process is reprioritize regularly. Part of this framework is understanding that we need to adapt and be agile and respond to the business needs as they are shifting because they will. The minute you get your plan in place, someone will throw a monkey wrench into it or some other problem and you will need to shift. 
So part of being adaptive is reprioritizing regularly and being totally okay with that. As we're building out our PMO and building out our capabilities and our services, there are gonna be those times when you're gonna need to shift very quickly in order to address the changing business needs. And the goal of the PMO is to have that ability and flexibility built in so that you can serve the organization when and how they need to be served and provide the value that they truly need to accomplish their strategic goals. And that means, yes, sometimes you're gonna get halfway through something and you're going to need to shift. I know how frustrating that can be. However, by making those shifts and being responsive to your business, you will be able to improve your credibility and their trust that you've got their back and that you will be wherever they need you when they need you. Now, you don't want to have what I call squirrel syndrome, where every few minutes your business leaders are like, okay, over here, and how about over here, and you never get anything done. That's not the point of this. The point is to make sure that we build an environment where we can shift as necessary and use the conversation starters that I like to have when people are starting to ask, well, can you do this and can you do that? It can be yes, and here's what it will take, as opposed to no. Simply shifting to use yes and can shift the entire conversation and make it go a lot easier and give you an opportunity with the, and here's what it will take part to help them understand what you already have underway, what will be impacted if you do make a change and what that change would look like. That's being a strong business partner and trusted advisor to your business, giving them all the information that they need to make those informed decisions around, is this important enough to shift right now, understanding the impacts of doing so. Now, another way that you can address this is through iterations. Instead of trying to do the big bang approach with your PMO, which I don't think works very well anyway, it's smarter to actually create a plan that has iterations for you to release different services and capabilities over time. Now, it's smarter for so many reasons, not the least of which is the fact that people do not have the kind of patience they used to. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, way back 20 years ago or more when I first built my PMOs, the environment was a little different. People were willing to take a little longer to build capabilities and services, to see the results of the work they were doing. But nowadays, I feel like we're almost kind of back to where we were 20 years ago when I built my first PMO, where we were in that dot-com time period. And so everything was this urgent, frantic sense of change and not a lot of time to think before we do. My suggestion is that you find ways to think before you do, but in an iterative fashion so that you can respond quickly. People can see results. You can build credibility. And I don't mean like quick wins, like throw a report out there. I mean, like what business problem are you going to solve that's going to truly move the needle forward and using that as a service or a capability you deliver in one of these iterations. Think about it in terms of like an agile or scrum kind of a capability delivery process. You want to take a smaller chunk of the scope that you want to deliver for your PMO as a whole and just deliver that in a shortened time frame, and then do the next set of services and capabilities and the next set and the next set. By creating and delivering these short iterations and allowing time for each of the new capabilities to stick, 
you have more time to get feedback and more engagement in the process to know what's working, what's not. You can use simple, small, short cycles of change that feel more like tweaks or shifts or an evolution as opposed to a revolution or big bang kind of changes approach. The tweaks or these smaller iterations are much easier to incorporate into a stakeholder's current process or the way that they're functioning now or a way for them to see greater benefit sooner than waiting for that kind of complete shift of everything all at once. People usually do not digest change well if it's that big revolutionary kind of shift. So by breaking it into these smaller chunks, you have a much greater chance of people being able to digest and incorporate the change into everything that they're doing and therefore will have a lot greater success in having them embrace that change instead of fighting it or resisting it because they feel like it's just going to upend everything that they're doing now. So when you have these kind of shifts over time, before your stakeholders even realize what's happened, you've managed to completely change the way they work, but you've done it over these small iterations instead of spending a year fighting with them tooth and nail to make one big shift all at once. Now, I'm not suggesting that your PMO must be an agile PMO or even be a completely agile shop from an implementation standpoint across all your projects. You could be. But all I'm suggesting here is that you should look at ways to iterate and get feedback quickly and deliver benefits to the organization swiftly so that they can see the value of the PMO before they start to lose interest, you lose funding, or those just cares and haters move on and do something else without you. And this can give you a really good hands-on way to use an agile framework or implementation methodology to understand firsthand what it's like to run projects in that kind of an environment. And therefore, the student becomes the teacher in being able to guide others through using an agile framework for getting projects done because you practiced on your own PMO project to deliver services and capability. You'll get services and capabilities in front of your stakeholders much more quickly, get all the feedback, make shifts. You can start with one department, for example, like if you have one of those lovers groups that's willing to be an early adopter, one way that you can organize your iterations is that you have a set of services and capabilities that you roll out in one pilot group first, and then future iterations include other stakeholder groups that you start to roll out those same capabilities. Or you can do capabilities that are fairly simple and streamlined across more groups, but less capabilities so that the scope is still manageable and you can still monitor and get feedback and really make sure that the services are working before you continue and move on to the next thing. So think about ways that you could break up some of the services that you wanted to deliver for your organization, keeping in mind that you've got to meet the business where they are with the processes and the services and the things that you deliver with them and the way you talk to them, and that you need to be thinking about how you engage your stakeholders across all the different groups and where are there opportunities for you to pull your lovers, your haters, and you don't cares into the process so that you can deliver services to them where they need it and how they need it and maybe shift some of that dialogue with your stakeholders to be more about how can we 
or how might we, as opposed to the PMO is doing all of this to them instead of with them. You want to make sure that you've got that strong business knowledge enough to be able to have educated conversations with them. And finally, don't forget that we've got to adapt our management style based on people's familiarity with the change we are doing with them instead of to them. All right, that's it for today in our Adapt to Thrive Mindset Step Number 4. Make sure to head over to pmostrategies.com forward slash 005 to download the workbook that goes with this episode and make some of your own notes about how you are going to adapt to thrive so that you can be an impact PMO leader. Next week, we are going to start talking about communication. And I'm not talking about regular communication. I'm talking about communicating with purpose and meaning so that we can get to that why, make sure everybody understands why we're doing what we're doing. And this will be a critical part to bringing people with you through the change process and helping people understand exactly how they can contribute. I think there are some interesting ways that we can look at what we communicate and how to help you when you are building and running your PMO and thinking about how you bring people with you through the changes you're making as you implement the PMO and good steps that you can use to help your project team members and project managers understand how they can communicate with purpose to drive impact. So tune in next week to hear more about that. And if you like what you are hearing, please make sure to check out the PMO Strategies podcast on your favorite podcast player. We're on Spotify and Stitcher and Google and iTunes. We're all over the place. So make sure to check out the PMO Strategies podcast and hit that subscribe button so you are the first notified when the next episode in the Impact PMO Leader Mindset series comes out. And if you do like what you're hearing, please take time to write a quick review in your favorite media player. That will help others understand the value of these episodes and how important they are to helping you and others shift your mindsets so that you can become an impact PMO leader. Thank you so much for your time today. As always, it is an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. Have a fantastic day and I'll talk to you again soon.